we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Well, okay, so it was, uh, in my view, probably the most, uh, well, I'm going to call it an iconic speech uh, of uh, one that I've ever heard. And, you know, even from the beginning of all the COVID and everything we've heard Dr. Peter McCullough share with the world and our country, I, this one just, it just stopped you in your tracks. It mesmerized you. It it just, the passion, and it, it's so obvious, the authenticity of that speech, but the facts and the data, what it was, were just unbelievable. I, I've watched it in its entirety three times. I, I don't I do not do that with any speech, but it was really something. I, again, it's a, it was an iconic speech for its time. Absolutely amazing. Welcome in here, friends, to America Out Loud Pulse. It is Malcolm Out Loud, and then the man who did that speech is here. Uh honored to hear all those wonderful comments malcolm dr peter mccullough yeah i didn't tell you any of that before the broadcast but it, i gotta tell you peter it's just i couldn't believe it i i swear to you i could not i did a double take on the speech i mean it's just it, it, it just left me speechless everything you put out there was just incredible and so let me start here you you, you said here and i i wrote a lot of this down again i've, I've listened to this pretty strong here so Two waves of injury of the world. The first was the SARS-CoV-2 infection, which preyed upon the frail and the elderly. The second wave of injury uh, has been the COVID-19 vaccines themselves. You talk about the role of who appearing to be operating at a biopharmaceutical complex. You name out all the players, everything, United Nations, World Economic Forum, Rockefeller, Gates, Wellcome Trust, CEPI, Gavi, Department of State, NIH, CDC, FDA, uh, everything, all different areas of the country, SAFRA, EMA, you name it all. This group of non-governmental organizations with government public health agencies is operating as a unit. They are carefully coordinated and the impact has been adverse. And you talk about human suffering. You talked about World Health Organization from that standpoint, and then some other remarkable points. Talk to us about that human suffering a moment and the World Health Organization, because you ended up with this... Uh, amazing call you didn't mix any words up and you said it is my belief that the european union the united states and all major stakeholders should actually completely pull out of the world health organization you left nothing to the imagination there well let me set the stage malcolm uh this was september 13th 2023 now i, I was called to the european parliament and uh, the chairwoman for our session, Christine Anderson from Germany, and I had a chance to get to know her. I had already met her one on one. She visited the United States about a year and a half ago. Uh, but later on, after the testimony, I had I literally sat next to her for dinner, uh, you know, for the whole time and, and really got a chance to know her. Uh, just an amazing lady. She chaired our session. Christine Anderson grew up uh, in East Germany. Her father was imprisoned twice by the Stalinists after they took over after World War uh, II. And she knows about communism. She knows about freedom as they fled to West Germany. She chaired our session. And, you know, I had flown from Dallas uh, to Zurich. And I, I, there was a little mix up on our ground transportation. So I got cut short on time. I was taken to a Swiss hotel. I had a shower, a shave, and half an hour 
power, put on my suit, and then I was bused to the European Parliament. Got there in Strasbourg, France, about a two-hour bus ride, and uh, no digital IDs, Malcolm. We're, they're talk- they were talking paper and pencil. They were sorting through passports and everything else. So people think think that it's all going to be digital ID tomorrow. They're not ready for it there, in the, at least in the Parliament building. Huh. And then we are brought into the seventh floor room, Parliament members there, and it, it was a, a very interesting session because uh, it, it led off with a legal group. There were five legal scholars, uh, German, Swiss, uh, Italian, uh, stunning group. Of, you know, we're talking people, JD, PhD, uh, argued cases in the Supreme Court, and they gave the lowdown about people being stripped of their civil liberties or the court cases in Europe. Uh, made a very strong case that what the WHO is trying to do in its worldwide takeover is 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 breaking every legal boundary they can imagine, international law. And then the medical presenters uh, came up, and it, it was led by uh, Andreas Schoenig from Vienna, evidence-based medicine expert, a wonderful man. He's been stripped of all his professorships, uh, stripped of everything he has in his practice, and then, you know, I was there trying to maintain my uh, sobriety there, being sleep deprived, and I had my time. And as you can see, I organized my thoughts into what has happened, how did this happen, and what should the European Parliament do? And so people can understand the European Parliament is a body, Christine Anderson says it's largely a choreography, but really what it is, is it's a body that advises the European Commission. And the European Commission is actually the executor that actually does things for the members of the European Union. And they can directly, uh, in a sense, put pressure on or just give orders to the European Medicine Agency if they wanted to. So, um, uh, you know, I had my chance and uh, as you said, I made two calls. I said, the first call is pull all the COVID-19 vaccines off the market and their progeny, including these new boosters, not safe for human use. And then secondly, to pull out of the WHO, to just go ahead and pull out all Western countries should do it. Uh, we're seeing calls for this now all over the world. And um, and I think it was well received. You, you You saw the replays on this. It was all over social media. Uh, it, it was well received. Uh, we had a big post on our platform, America Out Loud. You can give the the listeners an idea of of how many people really took a look at that. But you know, there is something about Senate testimony, parliamentary testimony, of getting things in the record and having people really listen. I think they did. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's well over a quarter of a million and rising still who uh, have watched that uh, uh, program, that video of the speech. Uh, you know, the way you just described it, uh, I want to stop him up here and say, the way you just described your journey to get in there to do the speech. And, and I could tell, I mean, you were you were tired. I mean, I could I could sense and you described it perfectly. I, I didn't know all of that. But the way you just explained to us, I have to tell you, it, it just tells me for a moment. It even makes this more unique and more special that anybody that somebody of that caliber could pull off a speech of that. I mean, this speech will go down as uh, I, I really believe of all time of the most, one of the most incredible speeches that changed the conversation and changed the trajectory of 
all, everything we've been talking about and fighting for. And I, I know you had all their attention in the room. Probably a lot of those people had the vaccines and were just really, oh, they were dying inside. I mean, I, maybe cho- wrong choice of words, but they were having some real problems, I would imagine. But the fact that you pulled that off and through that journey and got there, i got to tell you, it just tells me you are just something else. You, I know you don't want to hear any of this, but it rises you to a different level of all. I mean, you're just the brilliance of that speech. But then to do that, to be sleep deprived and all of the anxieties in one. And sometimes we go with pure raw emotion. That was raw emotion. That's what that was. I, I, I get it. I get it. Well, you know, Malcolm, you, you know, people have asked me in my Lincoln Memorial Address yeah. uh, back in uh, January of 22, my yeah. three sets of U.S. Senate testimony, multiple states. You know what I do is, I, I you know, I don't read from a from exactly. a speech, a pre-prepared set of comments. What I do is I organize my thoughts in my mind. I practice the speech in my mind. You know, I think everyone who ever is called to do this, practice really exactly. yeah. matters. Yeah. I practice on the choice of words. And when you're addressing a group, what people really want to see is they want to see the connection. I try to make one point per person as I uh, uh, look about in the crowd. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've been blessed. I've had very, very good public uh, speaking training, uh, yeah. a lot of uh, consultants. It shows that you executed it perfectly, perfectly. Over time. But, you, you know, when, when people listen to a series of prepared speeches and what the Europeans said, each one of them is, they said, listen, uh, you know, you have the advantage of being a primary English speaker. For all of them, they said English is our second language. And so we were reading, uh, which they, they did, and they did, they gave very, made their points. It was it was excellent. Mm-hmm. And everyone kept time. They said, but but boy, when you speak from the heart and you look at people in yeah. the eyes and there's no way, yeah. you know, the attention level just just goes up in the room. There's no chatter and people listen. And again, it's the, you know, I told Tucker Carlson this when I went on his program now over two years ago, I said, this is it. This is our time to rise. This is our time. Well, to you've shine. said it here plenty of times. You've but said it to is, me plenty well, of times. This is, but this yeah. is what our platform. Our moment. It's our moment. Yeah. Yeah. This is our moment. This is what America Out Loud yeah. It's Amen. all about this is Amen. our time. Oh, it's a, uh, you're so accurate, my brother. You're so accurate. I, I just, it was brilliant. The speech was brilliant. But even more than that, it, it, I already knew it, but I surely know now who I'm playing with here. And you are absolutely brilliant. Uh, you, you, just the way you were able to organize the speeches, that's not an easy thing to pull off, number one. And everything you just said is accurate with public speaking, eye contact, being in the moment, Connecting with people, this is yeah. That's the whole. I love public speaking for all of those reasons, and and that's why this radio broadcast is so unique as well because the authenticity rises to the top, which is what you uh, illuminate here. A couple of the things you're saying here, I got to get out here. There, just in case anybody had, first of all, if you hadn't seen this, you're surely going to come on and go watch it after all of this. I'm sure you all have. I can't imagine anybody hasn't. But if you haven't and you're a regular listener. Just go to uh, AmericaOutloud.news on the left sidebar. Go to go on a desktop or m- mobile, and you'll see on the left sidebar, 
uh, talk radio talk, and it's right there. The the uh, European Parliament speech. Uh, you'll you'll be able to see the whole thing, and it's just it's just magnificent. All right, you said in here. Wow, some things I I just didn't, hadn't focused on. Two thirds of the people worldwide took a vaccine. That that's just I, we forgot about that. Two thirds of the people, and seventy five percent of Americans took a vaccine. Thankfully, twenty five percent didn't. You said, well, that's a whole lot of people, uh, and that those numbers themselves, Peter, are staggering, aren't they? I mean, right when you think about they it, are it, it's stunning that these many people would have done it. You, you know, any vaccine, yeah. even if it was safe and effective, you know, it would really only be indicated in nursing home patients, those, you know, a very high risk for severe COVID outcomes, but, but it wouldn't be broadly indicated for two thirds of the world. The fact that this even happened with any vaccine is stunning. Yeah. Yeah. You said 94% of the vaccines in the United, 94% of Americans took a messenger RNA vaccine, right? Out of all the vaccines in America. Is that correct? Right. Well, right. So of the 75% of Americans who took a shot, right. 94% of it was messenger RNA, either Pfizer or Moderna. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, and, and then it is the genetic code for the potentially lethal spike protein, part of the virus. It was the worst idea ever to install the genetic code by injection and allow unbridled production of a potentially lethal protein in the human body for an uncontrolled duration of time. Those are your words, brother. It, Malcolm, it's true. I mean, what was going to shut off the genetic code? Yeah. The vaccine manufacturers, the scientists, the consultants, they had no idea. They still don't know what's going to shut off this code. Does it go on forever producing this protein? In our practice, when I was gone, my uh, colleagues told me, I came back yesterday, they said they had a man who took two shots in 2021, and now in 2023, he presents with a three-foot-long blood clot in his leg, Malcolm. It's stunning. It is stunning. When you think uh, of that, the implications, is he going to be producing blood clots like this? The rest. Well, of you said it. You, you said you, it, the way you described the blood clots on there was entirely fascinating. You'd never see anything like it. It, it. it took historical in the medical community. The fact you still can't get them out of the body. You know, the, the statement I just read, actually, about the way you described the spike protein and the unbridled production of a potentially. You see, this was brilliant to me because of this. All right. As long as we've been talking about this in the past three and a half years that we've been talking about this thing on the front line. So, you know, I never could understand the logic in this. Uh, I just never could. I, I really had a hard time wrapping my mind around what we were really talking about on some days with the I'm talking about the mRNA and why if why these shots that are mRNA that were putting inside of the body with a spike protein buildup. And like, you almost couldn't make sense of this whole thing. And then finally, like, oh, there it is right there. You just put it in English right there in one paragraph that said, this is the insanity of the moment, which I kind of felt all the way through, but it never made any sense to me. And you described it perfectly there, right? People need to understand what's happened to their bodies now. And I, I, I think I just finished with patients today. And indeed, there are patients one after another starting to get a deep realization of what in the world have they done to their bodies? And we're trying to bring solutions now with the 
detoxification program uh, that we've published on now, natokinase, bromelain, and curcumin. That's a, I imagine that's a pretty uh, frequently visited part of the platform. It is. Uh, we got a lot of questions on that even today. Yeah, yeah. But, but you, you know, the, these are the types yeah. of of moments in history uh, that we have to seize. I, I don't know if the if the parliament would ever hear anything more on this. Um, the, mean, the Europeans, you know, it's a very different yeah, place yeah. than the United States. And, you know, I'll talk a little bit more uh, in our program today about, you know, what happened after Strasbourg in our European trip. But okay. um what a great uh, what a great experience. I, I wrote a substack on this. You know, the European Parliament building, if anybody wants to look at it on the, the uh, internet, it has this top to it that's unfinished and is kind of fragmented at the top. And what Christine Anderson said is it reminds me of the Tower of Babel. Wow. In Babylon, and sure enough, my Substack, I, I take an image of the Tower of Babylon, I put it next door. I said, boy, didn't Christine Anderson hit this Right on the, you know, the Tower of Babel, that's where, you know, people were speaking in tongues, you know, after God casted down, um, you know, his, uh, his power among the people who who were, you know, you know defying him. And uh, in a sense, the, the arrogance of mankind was um, expressed in, in the Tower of Babel, sure enough, in the European <laughs> Commission, I mean, the European Parliament building, it looks just like it. Christine Anderson, boy, we, you know, she's going to come to the United States. Uh, she's going to win an award in New York City, as I am on December first. Uh, we're going to, I think, ring the ring the bell on Wall Street and and, wow. and, and, and be dignitaries in New York City. Uh, but she's an amazing lady. She sat next to me, Malcolm, at this restaurant in Strasbourg with our whole with our whole faculty group, and <laughs> she was chain smoking the entire time. Oh my dear! <laughs> oh wow! Um, they smoke indoors it, there still. They smoke indoors still there. No, we were sitting outside oh. and we've had beautiful weather. But, you know, I have to tell you, smoking is easily double what it is in the United States. Wow. wow. That's incredible. That is incredible. Um, you said also everything we've learned about the vaccine since they've come out is horrifying. I mean, what a word, horrifying. The spike protein is proven in a 3,400 peer-reviewed manuscripts to cause four major domains of disease. Now, I thought this was really good, really educational. Cardiovascular disease, the heart inflammation, the myocarditis. The second, the neurologic disease, stroke, that sort of thing. The third major domain, blood clots, right? The fourth domain is the immunologic abnormalities, uh, I mean, there they are right there. And, you know, and we can think of public figures in each one of these areas. Uh, look at myocarditis, former Tampa Bay's Bucks uh, coach, Bruce Arians, older man. Mm -hmm. He had it, uh, countless young men with cardiac arrests, myocarditis. How about neurologic? You've got uh, Justin Bieber with Ramsey Hunt syndrome after the vaccine, Jamie Foxx with a stroke after the vaccine. We can go on and on. The blood clots. Uh, ESPN college football announcer, uh, Kirk Herbstreet, weatherman Al Roker on the morning shows in the morning, uh, you know, prominent people with uh, with blood clots. And then Immunologic, who came out recently, she recently interviewed Trump, was Megyn Kelly. Yeah. Megyn Kelly said, listen, I took the vaccine. Now I've got an autoimmune problem. I see that. So you know, we, we can just look at the public figures and go around and just give examples so Americans can understand these vaccine injuries are common and they're serious. And they're serious. Well, you said 73.9% of the deaths after vaccination. 
are due to the vaccine. And in the case of myocarditis, how about 100% of the time? It's true. Those are the two papers. First author, Nick Holscher from University of Michigan. I'm the senior author. We're working our way through the peer-reviewed system now. They've received a lot of downloads. Oh, my Lord. The autopsy papers were some of the most uh, cited papers now in all of COVID. People are asking the question, are these deaths really due to the vaccine? And you know, I can tell you in America now, we're over 18,000 Americans. The CDC reports have died after the vaccine. And 1,100 of them, Malcolm, Americans, they've died right in the vaccine center, initially the community vaccine centers and then in the pharmacies. Uh, they, they die right there or within a few hours afterwards. That's how immediate this is. Mm. Wow. I, I, It's stunning. Absolutely stunning what you say there. Wow. Well, with all of this said now, everybody can feel, you can feel what I'm talking about here now, You, uh, the gravity of the moment I'm sensing, you know. And uh, but you know you, you know how you you know how you measure this stuff you know do you know how important this was here here's how you measure it okay this one quick comment from GJB's uh, he says this it, it, here's how you know this was a wildly successful conversation video etc and this should make everybody so angry but this is what he shares I posted this video link to Facebook to my friends. And the Facebook totalitarians removed it, claiming it is spam. The whole cabal needs to be taken down, he says. Zuckerberg needs to be prosecuted for withholding COVID treatment information and information about the dangers of these non-vaccines. So, did you know, I mean, like, they're still doing it, Peter. They're still doing it. They're still doing it today. Nothing has changed. They're still censoring all of it. It's true. And, you know, I have a... Substack out there, uh, which I always quote the literature on, but I want people to to understand this, that the Zuckerberg, uh, Google, um, uh, Facebook, uh, and YouTube uh, censorship is intentional, and I want them people to know that it's working. This is very important. So um, here are the data showing that uh, it, it's working. And I'll, I'll just going to give you the, the citation here. Um, let me pull it up. Yeah, the title of the Substack was YouTube is wiping safety content on COVID-19 vaccines. And the paper that is written here is written by uh, the author is Ning and colleagues, N.G. et al., and this is from uh, the United Nations Global Pulse in New York, Department of Journalism, Institute of Communications at University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana, and then a Biomedical Image Technology Center in Madrid, Spain. They conclude, they actually analyzed YouTube, and they said YouTube search algorithms lead somebody who's asking questions about the vaccines to pro-vaccine content and guides them away from any information on vaccine safety. And it's very effective. And, and listen to what Ning and colleagues write in their paper. They said, um, this may be a function of YouTube's commitment to removing content that falsely alleges that the approved vaccines are dangerous and cause chronic adverse health effects. For all intents and purposes, the platform's approach to content moderation appears to be working as promised in this setting. As promised to who? who? Who did YouTube make a promise to? Hmm. It's obvious 
that this is an academic paper published in the Journal of, of Medical Internet Research showing that it's happening. That this It's not just censorship. It's intentionally um, creating a, a direction of thinking that the vaccines are good and they don't have any safety concerns. Yeah, well, they've been they've not been forthright on anything from the very beginning, and none of it has changed at this point. And uh, even with that kind of a speech and the way people were really tuned, do you think anything will change from that? I do, because when these um, shots go out, you know, they reverberate. It generates more discussion. I uh, from there, by the way, we spent some time in Strasbourg, France, which is right on the border of France and Germany. You know, over history, uh, that city had gone back and forth between the two countries. Beautiful. I'd never been there before. It's probably the most beautiful European city I've been in. The, The cathedral there, the Notre Dame in Strasbourg, was the tallest structure in Europe up to 1900. I didn't realize this. Uh, spectacular church to to visit uh, that city. My wife loved it, Malcolm. It has every wonderful French designer, uh, the fanciest things you can imagine. Uh, the food was terrific everywhere. Uh, loved the coffee there, and so we were there in Strasbourg. Spent time, uh, spent basically almost an entire day with uh, Philip Cruz, the Swiss, the uh, German lawyer who's in Switzerland now leading. Uh, really leading the the whole community now against the um, WHO, and he's he's taking this uh, all the way, European uh, Supreme Court, and um, and then we went on to uh, London, and we met up with uh, Peter McKelvena, who is a reporter for Parliament. He's got all kinds of privileges, so he got us. We actually went into the Great Hall, Westminster Abbey. We went inside Parliament. We sat in in the House of Lords, which is their upper house, and um, really got a uh, like a upfront look at, at British par- parliamentary function, which I thought was very interesting. House of Lords. I never do this, Malcolm. Do you know that they're not elected? They're appointed, or and they kind of have lifetime appointments. They a lot of times they're rich kind of landlords yeah. and other people. But that's how the government works. Now, the other members of parliament are elected. I had previously uh, spent time with Andrew Brigden, uh, who's in the lower house, a member of parliament. And Andrew Brigden is a tough Brit. He's another smoker, by the way. <laughs> he's, a, he's a tough Brit. And he's the guy saying, listen, pull these vaccines off the market. There's been several times when Brigden gets up to, to speak, hundreds of people walk out. They, well, they they they, they walk out. They cannot hear something bad about the vaccines. Wow. Think, think about that. Think about you think about something Stupid. that a member of parliament wow. can't even bear to listen for. Why do you think that is? What, what is I, I don't think they can anger? psychologically handle it. Wow. They've all taken it. I don't think they can handle it. Now, from there, we um we took a car. We went to Bath, United Kingdom, which is down south and west of uh, London near Bristol. Wow. That is where there are natural hot springs, and the Romans found it in AD 43. They were there to about AD 410, and they built the most incredible structures, harnessing the the beauty and the power and actually the, the wondrousness of this natural hot springs, which has healing properties, and people have come. The very first king of England was crowned in Bath, the UK, 875. And we go to the museum and I recommend anybody have a chance to go there. It's a very cute town, tons of shopping. Of course, it was, was Britain. It was gray. It was spitting rain the entire time. 
And I went on stage that night with Dr. Tess Lowry of the World Council for Health. She's been on our platform, Malcolm, yeah, and yeah. with famed UK podcaster Majid uh, Nawaz. Very interesting gentleman. He's British from Pakistan. You know, he was actually jailed somewhere in the Middle East uh, for a considerable period of time for uh, radical Islam activities, believe it or not. Oh, wow. And he spent jail time. And he got out. He reformed. And, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with him. We were on stage, had a great uh, podcast. It was about being healthcare revolutionaries and a packed crowd, older crowd, uh, but wonderful and then my wife and I finished up the, the trip. We uh, jetted back over to Nuremberg, Germany, Malcolm. And I have to tell you, it was surreal. Mm. We went to Zeppelin Field and we stood right where Hitler stood and inspected mm. the troops over that giant wow. field. Wow. Uh, we went uh, to the courtroom 600. That's where they held the, the Nuremberg trials. And my wife and I went through the whole thing and we talked to other German people, other guests. And it, I don't even know how to respond. I, I did a video and the people there don't know how to respond. They don't know what to do. They, they don't know how to heal. It's nearly a hundred years after this atrocity. It is chilling when you read the documents written by Hitler and his inner circle about what they planned to do, what they did do and what happened nobody knows how to respond to that. They, they, they would Zeppelin feel like, like, what do you do right now? They're having drag racing, but they leave some of the outfield. St- the, the, the weeds are growing over the, the bleachers. Um, nobody knows what to do. It was such an atrocity. Um, I learned that as uh, you know, the Germans invaded so many countries, they put 3.9 million people into labor camps. French, you know, Hungarian, Yugoslavian, Czech, you name it. And uh, about 1.6 million Jews in these countries, in these uh, labor camps, they had 30,000 labor camps in, in the in Nazi Germany occupied territory over time. And of course, the atrocities that happened in the medical side of things uh, and what happened there, they did sentence some doctors to death, and in fact, they were executed. Um, anybody have a chance to go to Nuremberg? I really recommend they go. You know, it's a beautiful, walled, Bavarian city. We went into the city, uh, but to to see, you know, that's where Hitler had his marching. That that's where his and and when when they had the trials, they wanted to go to Nuremberg because that was Hitler's original stronghold. You know, they bombed the crud out of Zeppelin Field to just make a point um, for the Nazis there but hitler had built that thing so strong that they knocked down a few pillars but still a lot of it looked like it was you know it was untouched and then i gave a series of programs i went over to stuttgart a program there for the germans and then uh, we went to pushendorf and i gave two programs you know all translated and people came out the most interesting thing malcolm is you know i, I gave a presentation organized with slides and the data and when the germans started coming up and in german describing their vaccine injuries and, and all the atrocities that have happened to them. And it was translated to English. That's when the crowd really dropped their jaw. And they said, wow, what Dr. McCullough says is, is real because it's happened to us. And look at all these poor people who have suffered. You know, interestingly enough, your reference to the Nazis and that particular and the the the, um, the anxieties, the pain, the suffering that still hangs there. You, you were you were uh, painting that picture there. 
You know, that is the one scenario, as I recall, that many people from this moment of time, they continue to reference that moment in time to what's happened through the COVID through this last three years. You know that. It's true. People are, you know, calling for Nuremberg 2.0. Exactly. exactly. Just a couple of things. You, you, you know, there, you know, the Nazis had uh, 70 defense attorneys, 70. And they had like 1,500 documents that were called. You know, this took over a year. This was not a quick thing. Things were, uh, you know, reviewed in detail. But do you know what the most common argument that the defense lawyers put up for all the uh, defendants was that they were just doing their job? Hmm. Wow. They were just doing their job. To kill that people. it wasn't their fault. But can't you imagine in the hmm. future? When we investigate, uh, yeah. let's say let's oh, say it yeah. goes to Fauci and Collins yeah. and Zelensky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we were just doing our job. Yeah, just do it. Now, let me just give a, a little bit of color so so people can understand about the the doctors. Uh, that was the point that you know I was um, interested in. And and in my Substack, there is a there's an organization chart showing really how the doctors reported up to Hitler, and they're right there, but. On the doctor's uh, trial, which was after the overall main Nuremberg trial, they had four months of proceedings for the doctors and the health, the administrators uh, that dealt with the Nazi experimentation, the gas chambers, etc. cetera. Uh, testimony of 85 witnesses, submission of 1,500 documents. Now, for the doctors, they were just American judges. No other uh, countries had judges there. They pronounced their verdict on August 20th, 1947. 16 of the doctors were found guilty. Seven were sentenced to death and they were executed on June 2nd, 1948, uh, you know, nearly a year later. Many got off though. Many skated out of this. And it was only those that I think there was obviously um, beyond a shadow of a doubt evidence that they were guilty of uh, crimes against humanity where they themselves were were executed but it was just seven and you can imagine with you know 30,000 labor camps um you know probably hundreds of different facilities across germany where these atrocities were were carried out mm-hmm. uh anybody have a chance to to get there's images on my substack and and i'm gonna i also put one in for my uh, upcoming show They're, everything's kind of in grays um, and uh, it, it's somber. I, I think there's a real sense of emotional ambiguity. I have this. I had the same ambiguity. My, my wife had the same feeling. And our German host, uh, Stan Settlebar, and his wife Petra, same thing. They're like, "What do we do? How do you react to this? How, how do you ever get over it? It's nearly a hundred years, and nobody knows what to do or say." That's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, with all that said, did you drive? Did you yourself drive on the autobahn at all? You know, I didn't. Stan did the driving, but let me tell you, we were driving <laughs> back from Stuttgart, and of course, the autobahn is you know perfectly paved, and and we're in one of these German you know Mercedes Benzes that's just you know you know ready to fly, yeah. and and Stan, I guess, misjudged uh, a segment that he thought was free of you know any speed limits but apparently it wasn't yeah and we were just flying 
And then suddenly this, it, it seems like there is a light that goes off. It's, it seems like it's 200 feet above the road. It's a massive yellow flash. It goes boom like this. And it was almost like a shot of lightning. I go, what was that? He goes, I just got a ticket. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And he got nailed with the ticket. I said, well, how much is it going to be? He goes, I'll find out in a couple of weeks. But Stan took that uh, Benz up to, I think, about 240 kilometers oh, yeah. an hour. That was about 150 miles an hour yeah. in the rain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rain. Yeah. Well, the okay. thing about Europe they, on that road, though, they drive very safely because they number one, they don't switch lanes. They don't tailgate. Right. They don't do any of that right. stuff. They use right. flashers. So they drive perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. It's they amazing. drive perfectly. You know, the Germans are people of uh, precision. Yeah. We had uh, we really had a wonderful time there. The other thing I'd say is, boy, the trains really mm-hmm. run on time. My wife yeah. and I took trains from Strasbourg to Stuttgart. We had taken a day trip from Strasbourg to Paris, because my wife has um, cousins in Paris, wanted to meet them. Yeah. And we rode the the trains, uh, you know, they go up to, gosh, I think they're going about 150 kilometers an hour. Yeah. They're, they're moving yeah. along and smooth as silk, perfect internet. You can get all your work done on yeah. the train. Uh, nice. Very comfortable. Nice. And they just run on time. They're, you know, if you don't get on right on time, you're done. They're, they're not waiting. Right, right. Um, well, I haven't been since the COVID thing. I, as you know, I, I, I have not traveled. And of course, I've been pretty, pretty little busy here, but I've been to Europe many, many times. And uh, I have driven on the Autobahn and those nice Mercedes, you say, and Porsches and everything else. I've been with various people. And the one thing about it is they drive so safe. You can literally drive 140, 150 miles an hour there and feel like it's perfectly good. You just have to know where the flashes are. You got to pay attention. You don't switch lanes. They are so far superior with driving than they are here in America. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's terrible here with the lane switching and all the garbage that happens here on the interstates. It causes so many accidents, Peter. You know, it's terrible. It's uh, true. The other thing I'd say about yeah. the, the Germans, they are orderly yeah. people. I mean, there's a sense of order. Uh, you know, everything's on the honor system. You get on the subways. We got to Stuttgart and we had to take two different subways to get to the airport. And uh, it's the honor system, uh, you know, clean as a whistle. There wasn't a bit of graffiti trash around. The, the Germans are very orderly people. And, you know, people ask me about the COVID response. And I had a chance to talk to the German doctors. They said doctors in Northern Germany, uh, former Eastern Germany, tended to not go along with these vaccines. They said, no, no, it doesn't sound good to us. Uh, (laughs) Other doctors, you know, in the southern part, the more progressive cities, they went along with the narrative. Uh, They did use early treatment. They had community pharmacies that did compounded ivermectin. So the doctors came out. and it, it, It seemed like the German physician response was very similar to that of America. There was kind of a, a showdown of you know, are you going to take the vaccine or not? And they, they got to a certain point where the doctors did not get fired if they didn't take the vaccine. Wow. So All unlike right. France, where doctors lost their job, Canada yeah. and oh, totally. um, Australia, New Zealand, in Germany, it, it came down to that. They didn't have the violence that uh, that we've seen elsewhere. Oh, by the way, you know, uh, Victoria, uh, you know, the Victoria minister of um, in Australia, Dan Andrews, just stepped down. I don't know if you saw that. It's on the yeah. Internet. Today. Yeah. He was the brutal one, you know, in Melbourne. Yeah. Where they, you know, they had the brutal. Yeah. Practice. Oh, terrible, terrible. What happened yeah. there? And, no, and, he, you know, yeah. and that was him. He's oh, now- yeah. I mean, what Australians went through is, I mean, it was the worst. No, Australia, New Zealand, my my heart goes out to those people. What they went through is 
far worse than any it, of us went through. It, you know? And Malcolm, they, yeah. it, you know, he's he's heading for the exits. Let me tell you, the same day, you know, who was else heading for the exits? The guy hunting me at the American Board of Internal Medicine, Richard Barron, oh, wow. is stepping down. Wow. wow. So, uh, you know, you, we've already had um, Redfield, yeah. CDC, Walensky, yeah. Collins. Well, you the said they're all headed for the exits. <laughs> they're heading for the exits. And I tell you what, if these people were proud of what they did, uh, they hang around. Uh, you know, yeah. and, and Dan Andrews uh, in, yeah. in, in uh, yeah. Australia, you know, he's not a yeah. he's not an old man. He's probably has a lot yeah. of political career ahead of him. Well, and, and you could see the remarks on social media now. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. From Malcolm well, Roberts to Ralph Barrett. Uh, to I think Craig people want to see these people held accountable is what yes. they're looking for, frankly. Yes. You know? All right. So yes. anyway, we're going to take a pause here a moment here. This has been uh, incredibly awesome. Uh, I'm going to try to get to some questions here in just moments here. This is Q&A 84. We're going to get to some. we got a lot of the narrow and the, and the spike detox program there, a little bit of that as well, a whole lot more. And, and a lot of uh, commentary on a lot of comments, some really interesting stuff on the uh, the parliament, which I'm going to save some of that for next week, actually, because we've got a lot of comments. And I mean, I don't know, hundreds, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, <laughs> probably thousands of them. I don't know. But I'm anxious to share some of them with both Dr. McCullough and to our audience here. But we won't have enough time to get all this. We'll do that next week or so. Take a quick pause, my fellow Americans, and we'll join you just in a moment here. You're listening to America Out Loud Pulse. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Well, the Out Loud Truth was the rallying call that started it all. AmericaOutloud.news was an idea, a movement, 
a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Okay, and we join you back here. Uh, great to have you. It is Malcolm Out Loud here along with Dr. Peter McCullough. And what a, what a terrific conversation and talking about this incredible speech and what a trip this was. You know, a trip like this can, uh, a journey like this uh, is a mission and it can literally change your life in ways. And, and you know, the other thing that you get from this, Dr. McCullough, is the friendships you make from a trip like this are, they're incredible. They'll be, because I've done it before myself, they'll become lifelong friends, some of these people. You'll, you won't forget them, they won't forget you. It's pretty incredible, isn't it, you know? It's true, people are uh, terrific. We met some real heroes. You know, people talk about doctors putting down the line. You know, we're seeing members of parliament, um, you know, Andrew Brigden at the UK, you know, he's thrown out of his party. He has to recalibrate. He's a very successful uh, British um, uh, politician and he survives and he he recalibrates, recalculates. Christine Anderson, the same. Um, you know, some of the members of parliament that are really sticking up for the public Right. Included uh, members from Croatia, from uh, France, uh, men and women. Wow. And when we finished, Christine Anderson, and, and I think her speech, you know, has been replayed all over the internet. She said, "Listen, I'm speaking to every member of Parliament, any person mm-hmm. who is in an elected position anywhere in the world." He goes, "If you are not standing up for your people," he said, "If you are not." acting in their best interest. She said, you are going to rot in hell. Mm. Oh, I like that. Was unbelievable. Wow, I like that. And, and like she, that. she was yeah. basically saying, listen, Amen. the government, these elected officials and people in government have sold out against the people Absolutely. during the pandemic. We've seen it. We've seen it. By the way, you didn't get to Croatia, did you, this particular trip? No, you know, I've never been there. Oh, Croatia is one of the, I, I think, the most magnificent countries in Europe. It is, to me, the, uh, probably the best. I, oh, the beauty is beyond anything. Cro- Croatia is a trip worth going on. Croatia, mm. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, just ma- majesty, just just majesty. Just so many beautiful areas and pristine, really. Now, let's get some questions. Q&A 84 here from Mike says, I saw your speech in the EU, and I have a few things I want to say. Firstly, you mentioned cardiac arrest happening without myocarditis being present, which is terrifying. What is the mechanism to this end? And is it more frequent than myocardial cardiac arrest, do you think? Malcolm, uh, out on my substack today is a stunning paper, and everybody needs to understand this. This is a paper uh, from multiple institutions, including the University of Texas at Houston, and it has to deal with positron emission tomography, or what's called PET. And what PET is, is it is a type of scan that we do for the heart to see if the heart is starved of oxygen. And um, what they did, it's kind of almost a, a coincidental finding, but they had hundreds of people who had taken the vaccine and they had cardiac 
pets done for other reasons. And then they had people who are unvaccinated. 100% of those who took a vaccine had abnormal cardiac positron emission topography. And what they found is that heart normally consumes free fatty acids as fuel. But when the heart gets sick, it, it transitions to relying on glucose for fuel. 100% of people who took the vaccine had a shift in towards utilization of glucose over free fatty acids compared to the normal scans. So I, I you can see the images on my Substack Courageous Discourse. It is striking. And so, yes, there are cases now of cardiac arrest, and there's no evidence of myocarditis. Mm-hmm. And it may be the fact that the myocardial metabolism is changing. There was a paper by Brian Oshansky and colleagues from University of Iowa that they carefully described it. A woman uh, on shot one got a little sick, shot two started passing out. They couldn't find anything. They they put in a, a cardiac monitor under the skin. Shot three, she has a full-blown cardiac arrest. She needs CPR for an hour, multiple shocks. She never had myocarditis. She had a primary heart rhythm disturbance from the vaccine. Wow. Uh, one last thought, Mike said, I want to get this in. You also mentioned the batch groups and a moderate risk group. If you're in that group, how concerned are you about them in comparison to the serious risk group? You know, I have less concern. I think most of the action in the moderate group is in the you know first few days or few weeks or so. Um, it's the high risk group that uh, 4.2% of of, of overall batches in the um, in the Schmeling paper, I had a chance to sit down and face to face meet with um, uh, uh, Verbecki Manici from Denmark, a PhD. And you know, the, Malcolm, I have to tell you, there's a real value to sitting down over an espresso yeah. and just talking to people face to face. I don't. Yeah, what yeah. they found yeah. is, she, you know, she told me she's a courageous woman. She. She said, listen, they are stonewalling me on the mortality data. She goes, we want to know of these people in the high-risk group, how many people died. She said, the government knows. They've got the mortality data. She's being stonewalled. And, and she told me, she's a great woman. She told me, she goes, she got to a point where there's a lot of pressure. She's a, a, a public health a, a PhD. Her husband's a physician. Her husband goes, he goes, he goes you better you better tone this down. He goes, you know, the, the, the things are really getting pretty hot here. And she says, we've been married for 40 years. She looked at her husband. She goes, listen, you know me. And she was, she was, you have to understand that this is so important that you have to allow me to do this. Yeah, yeah she's not telling me. The whole marriage is on the line. The whole marriage is that important. Yeah, great woman. And so, uh, you know, I really became familiar with the Schmeling data. Uh, I think they will ultimately put all this together. There is, there are clearly high risk batches. So the intermediate the answer to the question is the intermediate. I think, you know, the farther people get away in time, I think we're good. The low risk batches. Uh, let me tell you what the key thing to ask is, did you even have a sore arm? If you didn't have a sore arm, it's almost as if nothing happened. And do you know, even in the, um, the, the uh, positron emission uh, tomography paper, let me, I give you the first author so people can anchor this. The, the first author is Nakahara and colleagues. Uh, in that paper, those who had a sore arm, they had far more cardiac changes on the scans. So I can tell you, a sore arm is a proxy for what's going to happen in the body. And I also, in that substack, I uh, included the graphical abstract from the Schwab paper 
from Germany, an autopsy paper uh, that demonstrated that patients who have a sore arm and inflammation in the arm, they, they're the ones at the time of autopsy that also have inflammation in the, in the muscle. And the inflammation, the inflammation looks the same. John says, is the spike detox protocol safe during pregnancy? My daughter took one Pfizer shot a couple of years ago. She's now pregnant. And I'm concerned that if she becomes exposed to the new variant, her spike manufacturing plant will gear up. Not safe, Malcolm. No, we can't. We can't do this. Now, natokinase is a blood thinner. Bromelain is a blood thinner. If there was a hemorrhage into the uh, placenta or fetal hemorrhage, you just can't take it. So women who get pregnant, they have to go off it. Uh, curcumin is probably safe, but it doesn't do anything for dissolving the spike protein. When people get pregnant, Malcolm, they need to go natural. And I'm glad uh, that this question came up because you know what happened in the last week is the FDA has just approved the uh, respiratory syncytial virus vaccine for the third trimester of pregnancy. Not for the benefit of the woman, it's for the theoretical benefit of passing antibodies on to the baby. Oh, my God. Wow. All right. This one's for Mark. What was the names of the detox treatment solution, please? Natokinase, 2,000 units twice a day, bromelain, 500 milligrams once a day, and curcumin, 500 milligrams twice a day. And that 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 that, that program, that, that uh, protocol is right on the uh, uh, news. Again, on the left sidebar, there's an area that says COVID resources. It's the top post right there. Clinical rationale for SARS-CoV-2 base spike protein detoxification in post-COVID-19 and vaccine injury syndrome. So you can get it all right there. Everybody's writing in to ask about that as well. That's where it's at. Uh, let me see, what is the protocol to get rid of spike protein if you've had COVID many times that have taken the vaccine, Kathleen? You just answered that, right? Same thing. Yeah, it's Kathleen. the same, whether you've okay. had COVID multiple times or the vaccine. Now, the question is how long? Well, that's the next question. You don't jump ahead. That's Mark says well, exactly you know, that. How long does it take to detox from COVID with those three ingredients? There it is, yeah. You know, I, I would say people lightly touched by this or no symptoms has been my experience that it's a, you know, it's about a three month course. And um, yeah, I think people more severely affected, uh, I think they need to go to a year. Now we have patients under careful observation in my clinic. I saw multiple patients today, Malcolm, getting better. They're clearly better. Uh, but the, and, and I note the time duration it's at five months, six months. So people have to be patient with this, but they've been sick for a couple of years. But when they go on the base spike detox, under my observation, people are getting better. But you know, the six month mark is is typical for people pretty deep into symptoms. All right, on the same topic, Michelle says, I'm on blood pressure medicine. Can I still do the three COVID spike products? Yes, blood pressure comes down with natokinase. So that's a side benefit. <laughs> okay, perfect, all right. Uh, Tim asks, uh, I've seen doctors claim that uh, there is a graphite oxide in the jabs that will kill all those injected. Is there graphite oxide in the jabs? I've also seen a Deagle prediction, which says that the USA population will drop dramatically by 2025 and that this and that this all lines up with the depopulation agenda. Do you believe that there is any possible outcome like this? I just haven't seen any confirmation about graphene oxide. Remember, graphene's in a lot of commercial products anyway. We are dealing with 
you, you know, the fallout, I believe, of the spike protein, all the autopsy studies show, all the clinical studies show, it's really the spike protein that's the problem um, being loaded in there with the um, messenger RNA. So, I, you know, until we can really honestly see some proof that graphene oxide is a problem, I, I still haven't, you know, jumped to that conclusion without seeing the evidence. Okay, Elizabeth says, I'm wondering if your detox protocol would be suitable for someone with AFib, especially if that person is on a prescription blood thinner, since the natokinase is also a blood thinner. We're doing this commonly. I'm doing it commonly. We have to watch carefully for bleeding. If there is bleeding, we can adjust the dose of natokinase and bromelain. But yes, we've done it in atrial fibrillation. And yes, I've seen some patients actually revert to sinus rhythm. So I wonder if heart inflammation is in some role driving some of the atrial fibrillation in patients who've taken the vaccine or have had COVID multiple times. And let me sneak this one in now from Linda. Thank you for all your wonderful work information for spike detox. Can the lambrocinase, is it, uh, be substituted for the natokinase in someone with a soy allergy? Lambrocinase uh, is another enzyme. We have no published... um, conclusive evidence to suggest it would work. If there is a soy allergy, one could um, replace the natokinase with sereptase, sereptase, and that's in a paper supported uh, by Stephanie Senoff. I'm one of the authors in that paper uh, right now, but but do not try to use natokinase with a soy allergy. You're going to get in problems. Remember, bromelain is also an enzyme that's breaking up the spike protein. So going with bromelain and curcumin as a is a is a two drug combination, or adding sereptase would be preferred, I think, over lumpicase. Okay, and friends, we we must add to all of this now. None of everything we talk about here, none of it is medical advice. You have to get to your own doctors, and like Dr. McCullough was just sharing about, to be watching the details of these things. So we can't do these on these shows. So you've got to know that this is something you need personal attention with a physician. Uh, That's important, okay? And finally, I just want to end with this from Anne says, uh, hello, Malcolm and Dr. McCullough. I continue to be amazed and grateful for your untiring efforts to inform people all over the world. Your information is not only helpful, but it is reassuring and provides incredible peace of mind as we all try to navigate the world we are in. Thanks again for all you do. You guys in the overall America Out Loud team are the best. And thank you for that acknowledgement and those beautiful words. We do see the outpouring every day uh, that come in here. I don't get a chance to share a lot of it, but thank you so very much. Dr. McCullough, I have to tell you, incredible speech again, iconic man. I'll tell you what, it was just off the charts. You nailed every bit of it. And uh, what a remarkable time. I just can't tell you enough how brilliant that was and after the way you described the conditions of it all truly remarkable and amazing um thank you my brother thank you sir well we're in it together malcolm let's keep on bringing america the truth great program today amen thank you absolutely friends thank you for joining us on the mission here on america out loud pulse always i'll be ahead <laughs>